This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. I actually only had one Daddy Soda all weekend. It was when I got home Saturday night after like 40 hours of working the three days for the draft for the Philadelphia Eagles and not a whole lot of sleep. I had a nice double IPA, delicious, went to bed, Whew. I needed that. Also, I need to talk with my guy Emery Hunt here on the College Draft Podcast. We've been talking about all season. We talked about the best players in the biggest games, and Emery started to pick those games against the spread, which we'll do again this year. And we went through every position. You know, it, it's got to be – I mean, it's fun for me, Emery. I love it. The draft's one of my favorite times of the year. But especially for you, that actually puts in all the work and evaluates all these guys, draft must be crazy for you. It, it really is, man. It is so much fun, and it's always good to see where these guys end up. Um, and, you know, because fans want instant reaction, but it is a process, and you have to let it play out. So, yeah, you may have this player as your number two running back, right? Uh, but he may go in the third round. Is not. I don't care where they go. I, I am more, most concerned about how well they play. So it's always good to see where they go because the fit matters more so to helping your evaluation reach its potential. So I'm excited to see, one, where they go, and two, how it all plays out. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point that I want to bring up. You know, people look at it like any time a player has success, it was a good pick. Any time a player does not have success, it was a bad pick. I think that that's unfair to scouts and even draft experts like you. There are so many factors. Like, what team did he go to? How did they use him? How much patience did they have with him? Who's coaching him? Who's his position coach? Who's ahead of him on the depth chart? And then even stuff we could never possibly know. Like, you know, does he have a bad family life? Does something happen with his girlfriend? Like, like there's just so many factors that go into whether or not these guys end up being successful NFL players or not. The one thing that bothers me, I feel like, Emery, is people are so simplistic with it. You know, like, if the guy ends up, it was a good pick, the guy ends up, it was a bad pick, there's other factors there. There could be guys end up having success, and maybe it wasn't a great pick, but it worked out. And there could be guys that end up not working out at all, and it was a great pick, but he got bad coaching, was in a crappy situation. He had a bad something that bad happened on his personal life. He got the money and didn't care anymore. Like, there's just a lot of factors. 
way too many factors. And uh, you see it in college football as well. You know, college football is a, mostly a development issue. And also, it's a college issue because you get a guy that's 18 coming out of high school, and this is his first time away from home in college where you are in a whole new world. It's like you're an adult for the first time in a, a strange new land. So you don't know how this person is going to deal with that aspect of going to class every day and doing a lot of things on their own. Uh, in the NFL, is like, man, okay, we drafted a guy and maybe this guy has a developmental plan and maybe the other guy doesn't have a developmental plan and they expect him to come in right away or maybe the coach is on the hot seat or the GM is on the hot seat and it kind of stunts the growth of what this guy was picked to, picked to do. And therefore, it may look like a miss. But no, it's just a situational issue. Rarely, it's a talent issue. You never see someone just flame out because they just can't play. Is is nine times a ten a developmental issue or a situational issue? By the way, I know I said it, but I'll say it again. That is Emory Hunt at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and I will tell you this. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to get his 2021 draft guide. Now that you know which of these guys are on your team or your division rivals team and read about it. I mean, it's worth it for the money. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. And it's kind of cool to compare Emory's rankings to where the guys went and then see how they end up doing over the years. So encourage you to do that. I do want to mention I had Greg Cosell on today's Ross Tucker football podcast because I had to get his thoughts on some of these day two quarterback fits, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, and get his thoughts on those guys. So certainly if you're into this stuff, and I know a lot of you are, check out today's Ross Tucker football podcast. You can always follow me at Ross Tucker NFL. You can follow all of our shows at Ross Tucker Pod. We are going to go team by team, division by division, starting next week. Because what the heck the point of putting all this time into the draft and then actually talking about the picks these teams made? So, But we're going to do that next week. Today is just kind of Emery and I just chatting, just shooting the bull with some of our thoughts and takeaways from the NFL draft. Just an open conversation Back and forth. And I guess I'll start with that, Emery. You know, what if I if I said to you, what'd you think of the draft? By the way, how was it being uh on set for CBS HQ? It was awesome, man. Like you you really have to be on from eleven. We were on from eleven to eight PM. Uh every hour on the hour and just instant reaction. Uh by the last hour we're doing recaps and, and grades on you know the teams by by conference or by division so it was excellent you know you deal and people need to understand about live tv you understand this ross where you know you're dealing with a lot of factors you're dealing with quick time concise you know analysis crowd you know atmosphere weather atmosphere all of that is going on while you're trying to talk normal and, and give and give your, your taste so it was fun we had a lot of fun um i was able to get rave reviews so it was kind of cool i signed some autographs i don't think those people know who i am so it just i just signed something for somebody and somebody asked me to take pictures with their kids i was like hey man I, i'm a nobody but you know it, it, i guess it was the red jacket that they like you know <laughs> you are not a nobody 
You are Emery Hunt. Football game plan on YouTube, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Blank slate, Emery. Some of the things that jumped out to you about the 2021 draft. You know what was interesting, Ross? Taking a 10,000-foot level view of it, this is the second year in a row where I had the same takeaway, the same feeling after this draft. Every team made very good picks, you know, and I think it's attributed to the fact that less is more. Last year was a pandemic year. It was still in the pandemic, but last year was like initially, you know, the pandemic, right? Everything was remote. No one could go anywhere. And teams had excellent drafts. I thought everybody knocked out the park. This year, same sort of situation. You know, teams weren't able to be as mobile as they were. No pro days, no combine. Uh, teams couldn't get out there to, to games. And I just felt like, man, as I'm watching the draft, like, oh, wow, that's a solid pick. That's a good pick. That's I rarely had a situation where I said, damn, that's a bad pick. I think the last bad pick I, I remember saying, you know, audibly was the Bengals taking a kicker because it was a waste. You know, outside of that, I was like, even the Davis Mills pick that that I didn't like, I was like, well, they have quarterback issues. It makes sense. So I thought everything was was well done by every team uh, in the league, and I think it's just a trend. Less is more. You focus on the tape. You go with your instinct based off what you watch these guys do in actual football activities and not the combine or pro days, and they end up just taking football players. And we'll talk about some teams that did a good job, but – for the, for the most part, like, everyone panned the Alex Leatherwood pick. And I'm looking down at my draft guide. I had a really good grade on Alex Leatherwood. So the Raiders need an offensive lineman. So I'm not going to knock them for taking someone that can step in and start and play anywhere across the front. So I just thought that everything every team did was very solid. And I think the reason is because less is more. That's interesting about Leatherwood and the Raiders. You know, I think the issue is – Emery, is I I think they've lost the benefit of the doubt. Like, this is three straight years where the Raiders have taken a guy, Emery, like at least five, usually ten spots higher than any other mock draft had him. And I think... It hasn't worked out so far with Cleveland Farrell or Damon Arnett. So they kind of lose the benefit of the doubt. If people thought Leatherwood was going round two and they take him at 17, and I heard Mike Mayock on NFL Network, it sounded like he wanted to try to trade down and still get Leatherwood, but nobody wanted to trade up. That's the thing I always love when people say, they should have traded down, should have traded down. (laughs) <laughs> you realize how a trade works, right? Like, you need two – it takes two to tango. And three to jump rope. <laughs> I love that, Emery. I never heard that before. It takes two to tango and three – although one person can jump rope by themselves. But not not, not fun when you're doing a double dutch. You know what I'm saying? You need three people out there, man. Did you ever do that? Yeah. I, growing up in, in the inner city, you, you, you have the girls outside doing double dutch. And why, how do you think we get all this athleticism? No, you jump in. <laughs> the footwork is with the double dutch early. That is funny. All right. So I do want to get your thoughts on Trey Lance to the Niners. That was, you know, one of the major topics, one of the major things we were thinking about. What did you think of Lance to the Niners? 
you know, I thought Fields was going to go there. I thought I knew it wasn't going to be Mac Jones. I thought it was going to be Fields. Um, but they took Lance. And again, it's a situation where San Francisco has a plan in place. They have a starter and they also want their succession plan in Trey Lance. And Lance gives them athleticism, gives them high upside potential, gives them the plus one in the run game, gives them the, the deep ball accuracy. I think he throws a deep ball very well. And so it gives someone that they can slow walk into the offense, slow walk into the situation uh, and into the starting role. They don't have to move Jimmy G. And, you know, that way you throw in a guy that just started 17 games at the FCS level uh, where they didn't throw the football a lot. Uh, you don't want to throw him out there in week one. So I think they have a, gr- a great strategy, a quarterback coach and, and play caller in uh, Kyle Shanahan that understands how to put guys in, in you know the best situation to win. So I understand and like that fit you know, for him. If it was a situation where they expected him to be the starter right away, then I would have some questions. But that fit, like I talked about earlier, just made so much sense. By the way, how about North Dakota State losing yesterday, Emory? I will say this. I felt like the FCS season could have gotten more buzz than it did. But kudos to them for having the games, the, the quarterfinals on Sunday and not Saturday during the draft. And also, I think they were all on TV. I, I caught a bunch of several of them. And North Dakota State lost. You know, that's one of those deals, Emery. They had an unbelievable streak going on. And if they play in the fall, there's a decent chance with Trey Lance and Dylan Redunce, the tackle, that that continues. But the pandemic, they move it to the spring, and the bison go down. And, and keep in mind, why they went down, their quarterback play was inconsistent. So keep an eye on North Dakota State being in the QB transfer portal market to get one of these P5 guys to come in and step in. Because, yeah, they lost by three or four, but two of those touchdowns came off kickoff and punt returns. So their offense was stymied by Sam Houston State, who did a great job all spring season. I I agree with you. Having those games on TV – I watched all of them all throughout the day. I didn't go to sleep till like 12, 30. So I was dead tired. I took a nap in between and got up and watched some more because I was like, man, this is fun to watch these guys play. All were entertaining games, weren't blowouts. So it was just, it, it, and again, it gives you a, a head start on a 2022 draft. Looking at some guys, let's say like Christian Watson, the wide receiver for North Dakota State, tall guy, speedster from Florida, but you got him back there returning punts and kicks, and he's breaking long you know, plays for touchdowns. Man, that's the guy that's going to be a, a draft pick. You look at uh, the corner, uh, Zayvon McCollum. Uh, Zion McCollum for Sam Houston State was locking up wide receivers, making things difficult. He's a long corner with great ball skills and athleticism. He's going to be a draft pick. So it's always about getting that early start of 2022. Yeah, and I'm hoping it's an all-CAA national championship. JMU, Delaware, I know – kids on both those teams both those programs recruited me so we'll see if they can get it done sam houston and south dakota state are pretty darn good uh you know what's not good losing your hair two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're at 35 if you're watching on youtube youtube.com slash ross tucker nfl a i'm raising my hand b i'll lean forward so you can see my bald spot but here's the deal It's been the same way for like 10 years. Ever since I heard about the two FDA-approved medications and I've been taking them, it hasn't gotten any worse. It keeps your hair. You can get them both 
Scrum keeps, which is the key. Anybody that's already taking the topical solution and the pill in the morning, if you're not using keeps, like, what are you doing? You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't need a prescription. You just do it online. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash draft to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash draft to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash draft. All right. Next question I got for you, Emery. Um, Bengals taking chase over Sewell. Your thoughts on that one? Here's here's how or why I had issues with that particular pick, right? All right. Let's take it back to last year. They were able to get T. Higgins at the top of the second round. So they kind of played the gra- the draft perfectly. You got your quarterback. You got a premier option that fell in T. Higgins. So it worked perfectly. You're, it's almost like you had two number one picks. This year, they had an opportunity to do the same thing, you know, with the fifth pick and the 36th pick, 37th pick, or whatever they had. So I thought you take, you know, the whoever your top offensive lineman was, where you had Panay Sewell, I had Christian Darasaw. Whoever you thought was your number one tackle, you take him because right there in the top of the second round, as we saw the draft play out, you can get you a very good receiver. Granted, Jamar Chase is a day one plug and play stud, but wide receiver wasn't a big need. If anything, you know, uh, you find someone that can, or you trade back into the bottom of the first round and get that receiver that you so coveted if you're worried about someone taking him before you pick him in the second round. So I would have played the draft that way. However, in the same breath, taking Jamar Chase was excellent. But where I had issue in the second round, okay, there were some great offensive linemen that was there when they were able to choose, but they traded back a little bit, game to draft a little bit, traded back, some other good offensive linemen went, and then they went ahead and, and took a guy that, you know, is – I had as, let's say, a third-round type player, um, that's where I had the issue with the strategy. So if it would have worked out where, let's say, they went ahead and took Chase and took one of the top-tier linemen, the Eichenberg or something like that, uh, you know, at the top of round two or whoever, you know, whoever the top tackle was, the top lineman that went early in the second round, if they did it that way, no issue at all. But the fact that they traded back a little bit and, and got a guy that, you know, I, I don't think is going to see the field this year as a starter – uh, that's where I had issues with the strategy. Not the player at the top, but more so the strategy that netted them the player in the second round. I agree. Uh, my issue as much as any was trading down in the second round and getting Jackson Carmen. Uh, he's a little bit of a project, and they're supposedly going to move him to guard. He's only ever played tackle. I thought they needed to get more of a known commodity along the offensive line, even if, and I know they like their center, but even if they got like Creed Humphrey to play guard, like I just, I didn't love that uh, selection by the Bengals at all. That one, in fact, kind of bothered me. Want to get your thoughts as well, Emery, on do you think when the Dolphins traded back up from 12 to 6 with the Eagles. And, may, you know, obviously they were at 3. They trade down to 12 with the Niners. Then in conjunction with that, they get back up to 6. I don't think they did that with Waddle in mind. 
I think they did that with Chase or Pitts in mind. I don't believe that. I mean, they gave up next year's first round pick to get Jalen Waddle when who knows who could have still been there at 12 for them, or they could have moved up to 10 like the Eagles maybe and taken Devontae Smith. Uh, that, that I didn't love. You know, what's interesting about that. And that's a great point because it ties into the point. I want to make that I've always made when talk, when people ask me about the draft or you can trade back or move down, you can get him at, at this pick and move, bro. Don't game the draft. The, the draft never works out how you think it's going to work out. If you have a chance to get a good player, stay pat, get a good player. You know what I'm saying? So if you're at pick three, you get a chance to pick one of the top three of 5,000 players in this draft class. Top three. You got the third choice of your pick. Stay there, take somebody great. You know, you could have gotten Kyle Pitts. You could have gotten Jamar Chase. You could have gotten even more of a King's Ransom as you held on to that third spot um, until draft night, right? You know, you would have had all sorts of suitors. Desperation is a stinky cologne, and people would have been given all kind of first-round picks to get the pick three on draft night, right? So that's why you don't game the draft. You can take who you want, when you want, and live with the consequences. They could have had Chase or Pitts if they wanted to at three. Could have had one or the other at six. So that's the thing. You don't game the draft. The draft will always win. It's like the house always wins in Vegas. So that's why you don't gamble. But you will also put some shekels on our against the spread pick. So don't listen to what I just said, but always trust us when we talk about against the spread. <laughs> but uh, we were doing that. College football will be here before you know it. What do you think of Carolina taking J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertain? I think that was one where they like a guy that, that is active, aggressive, and athletic. Not saying Sertain isn't, but, you know, Horn is, is someone that, that you – think of where he has a right mentality to play that position. Um, he he is a dog on the outside. Sertan is solid. He's good. He's steady. He's excellent. But someone like Horn, I think, it provides that mindset mentality. That's just one of a bevy of great picks by Carolina. I thought they had a fantastic draft just getting football players, guys that were good in college, that nine times ten will be good in the pros, and they kind of fit in. But it's going to be interesting to see because um, – Sam Donald has no excuses now, as, as I put it in air quotes, because, man, this team is stacked on offense. They get a healthy Christian McCaffrey, a young defense that that has a year of experience that's going to get better this year uh, with added players on the outside. Sam Donald has to really step in and not be the reason why they don't have a winning season. What did you think uh, another interesting pick that surprised some people, the Saints taking Peyton Turner the DN out of Houston in the first round. All right. Let me, let me walk Saints fans off the cliff. Um, and, you know, here's – I like Peyton Turner. He was my number two, four, three defensive end. No problem with the player. And it was funny because they draft him, and I quickly did a screenshot of our draft guy where we threw it out there, and it was like his player count was Marcus Davenport. It's like, well, they clearly have a type, right? But what I like about Turner is that – I called him chaos on wheels. This dude is an active player. I think he's what they thought they were going to get in Marcus Davenport. So that's an upgrade there. However, they're standing there with Asante Samuel standing right there, free, ready to play, ready to step in and be that corner opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, and you take a defensive end. 
And then you double down and take Pete Werner, who reminds me a lot of what they had back in 97 when they took Rob Kelly out of Ohio State. Like, that pick didn't make sense. And so, to me, the Saints had an opportunity to get significantly better at corner and they bypass. So now you look at that depth chart, and, you know, yeah, they're already down 7 nothing. You know, so they need someone. You, you hope Paulson or Debo can step in and be that guy. But I didn't mind Peyton Turner because I know he could play football. But him over Asante Samuel Jr., I probably would have chosen a corner because that's more of a, a glaring hole right now in that secondary, more so than, you know, someone like Peyton Turner. Because you got depth there. Granderson is a good uh, rusher. I know you lost Hendrickson to Cincinnati. But you could – I thought they could have waited to go defensive end. Cornerback – in this draft, was was they had a couple of premier options. Asante Samuel was one of them, and he, and he missed out on him. Peyton Turner kind of reminds me of like a, a DN that Parcells would like. 6'5", 270, physical, can get bigger. You know, that, that pick has a lot of Jeff Ireland, 35-inch arms. You know, just a big dude that moves well. You don't see a lot of 270-pound DNs anymore. No. Nope. You know, most of them are 250s, maybe 260s. He's 270. He's, he's an easy 272, an easy 270. So that was the thing that probably stood out to me about that about Turner. I got to ask you this, too. I, I asked Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast, Emery, but I got to ask you as a running back guy, how does Kenny Gainwell – Go in the fifth round. Like, what's the knock on him? So, Gibson third round, Pollard fourth round, Henderson third round. None of them had as good a numbers as Gainwell did as a redshirt freshman his first time playing the position. He was a quarterback in high school. And he was even splitting some time with Antonio Gibson, who, by the way, Gibson and Pollard are good in the NFL. They're not like, oh, we'll see how these guys – no. Pollard and Gibson are legit NFL running backs. And then Gainwell outproduces all fifth round. That one really surprised me. Yeah, and it was shocking that we went all the way to day three and before Michael Carter got picked. And so you only had so many backs to get picked and staying in the ACC. Someone like Javon Hawkins goes undrafted. He ends up with the Falcons. Uh, so, but Gainwell, to me, it, it's funny because everyone talks about you don't take a running back high because. You, you know, it's a running back by committee approach. Well, if you live by that credo, and uh, and you want someone that you want someone that can play in a committee, how about you just set up shop in Memphis, like you just eloquently laid out all those backs that came out that Memphis Tigers program have played in tandem. They work well with one another. They don't need volume to be successful. And so Gainwell is your ideal fit for today's NFL game and how they handle the running game. And I was shocked that he went down there as well because you look at someone that has versatile skill set, to me that guy goes higher. Uh, so I was shocked as well, the fact that someone was that, that was that productive, coming from a system that has proven to, to push guys into the league that don't meet, need volume, that end up being solid pros, to have him wait, I thought that was I thought that was like almost one of the, the big shockers uh, in the draft. I suppose some of these guys that didn't get drafted, I thought him going that low considering – the, his whole situation and makeup kind of yielded it to go in a third round. So land to the fifth was a value pick, in my opinion. I'm surprised some of you still haven't gotten anything for the moms in your life for Mother's Day. Look, it's Sunday, dudes. Like, there's no time to wait around anymore. 
1-800-Flowers.com is where it's at. Those of you that listen or watch the Raw Sucker podcast know I get it every Valentine's Day and definitely every Mother's Day. I get them from my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, sometimes my sister, sometimes my sister-in-law, and always my wife's grandmother, her Oma. You know why? Because they love it and because they deserve it. To order last-minute Mother's Day bouquets, arrangements, and gifts, go to 100flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code FOOTBALL. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code FOOTBALL. I promise they will love it, even if you do something else. Even if you do something else in conjunction with this, they still want flowers, especially this time of year. All right, Emery, give me something else that really stood out to you about the draft. I know we'll go pick by pick with the different teams starting next week, but give me something else that jumped out to you. How conferences did as a whole. I thought the NFC East knocked it out the park. I thought the AFC West knocked it out the park. So I thought those two conferences did a really good job. And also how Pittsburgh and Baltimore just continue to to win at the draft. You know, Pittsburgh, I feel like the Steelers just filled out their card already and turned it in. It was like, here, these are our picks. And the draft always falls to, to where they get those players. You let the Steelers get Najee Harris, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. How, how you how do you allow that to happen? You let them get Le'Veon Bell and Heath Miller all over again. You let Baltimore get two solid receivers in Tylen Wallace and also Rashad Bateman, uh, and also some work withable guys that that are edge rushers that have upside. Those two teams, I always feel like, fill out their card pre-draft, hand it to the commissioner, and just wait because they know those guys will be there for them. And they go always get their guy. So I always love what, what the Ravens and Steelers do in the draft. Ben Cleveland, too, is your central casting Baltimore Raven interior lineman. Like, how do you let the Ravens and Steelers consistently get good players? Well, it really is crazy that you say it like that. Because the Ravens have a great draft every year. Every year, the Ravens, first of all, they get a ton of picks every year because they get the comp picks. Secondly, they get so many good players. But the Steelers, Emery, there were a lot of like those three-round mock drafts that people do, whatever, two or three-round mock drafts. There were a lot of them that had Najee Harris round one, Frymouth round two. Like, and you think that, oh, that'll never happen because something else, you know, somebody will jump in front of them. No, they just sat there. A lot of people thought they were going to take Najee Harris, like everybody. And a lot of people thought they were going to take Frymouth. They don't care. How does that happen? And, and again, and so you know, I tweeted out the joke that, you know, Mike Tomlin, you know, is probably in the office playing Gallagher on mute. Ain't even paying attention to the draft, just like just enjoying himself because he already turned the card in. And is like, yeah, Najee Harris is our pick. And Fryermuth is someone that it's almost like when you watch these guys in college, you're watching them already in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. And it's like, man, these dudes consistently find ways to do things. And then you let the Steelers get Quincy Rocher. A, a talented pass rusher, you let him get you get him you get him in what the fifth or sixth round, man. It's like James Harrison all over again. It's like so you just get all of these good football players, and then we'll be sitting here in week seven, like man, how do Steelers get all these good players? How do you let this guy slide? And it's like Pittsburgh, they already have their twenty twenty two draft card filled out already. Yeah, I like Kendrick Green, the center uh, guard from Illinois. 
I even like Isaiah McCoy, the receiver from Kent State that they got oh my as an undrafted guy. Yes. You know, they clean up on those Mac receivers. You know, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown. People are never going to learn. If the Steelers like a Mac receiver, you <laughs> should like the Mac receiver. I mean, gosh. Anyway, awesome stuff. I cannot wait. Starting next week, really for the next eight weeks, it'll be May and June. Emery and I are going to go division by division. Are we going to talk about what these teams did? We're talking about what your team did. We might as well, right? Then we got after that, we got July and August to get you ready for college football. Then we'll start to talk about the biggest games, the best players, and pick them against the spread. Check out Emery Football Game Plan uh, on YouTube. And, of course, at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We're at Ross Tucker Pod. And we're done. The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.